We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the Champagne on Ice podcast, a brand new Champagne on Ice podcast presented by the Field of 68. I am Kyle Tosk, joined by Mike Farmer. Fortunately, neither of us are the all-time leading scorer in Illinois basketball history, like the former host of the show, Dion Thomas, but we are both students here at the University of Illinois and uh, should be a fun new adventure for us here on the Field of 68 podcast network mike what's up how you doing my man i'm great how are you doing kyle i'm doing very well i'm very excited about this shout out to everyone at the field of 68 for giving us this really cool opportunity to talk illinois basketball once a week on this platform make sure you drop a follow on our twitter account at champagne on ice mike is going to be running that he's going to be dropping some content on there all basketball season long we'll also post our new episodes every week on there subscribe to the field of 68 podcast network youtube channel that's where we'll be going live once a week and the video version of the podcast will be posted and of course anywhere else you listen to podcasts apple podcast spotify leave us a rating review subscribe on there we'll be dropping the audio only version all over those different podcast platforms but uh Episode one, I think mainly this episode is going to be a all-encompassing season preview for this 2023-24 Illinois basketball team. Uh, We'll go through the roster a little bit, break down the roster. We'll look through the schedule, um, a a loaded non-conference schedule, look through the Big Ten a little bit, and maybe give a few predictions about the season. But first, Illinois actually has played a basketball game already for the first time in eight months. Friday night, an exhibition game against Ottawa University, who I thought originally we were playing a team from Canada, but apparently they're from Kansas um, and uh, an NAIA program. So the the 116-65 final score really doesn't do a whole lot for anybody, but it was our first chance to see this team in action. I know you were in attendance as I was on Friday night. We'll, we'll hit on this briefly and then kind of transition it right into the roster because I'm sure that's what we'll be talking about. But what were maybe your biggest takeaways? What flashed to you on Friday night and, and what do you make of the first look at this basketball team? Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Uh, first, I want to say I think everything about that game can sort of be taken with a grain of salt because obviously the talent level is nothing to be too proud of with Ottawa being an NAIA team. I think the first thing that stuck out to me was like the ball movement, like everything just looked really fluid. 
we brought in like 10 different guys, 11 guys playing, and they all just subbed right in. The passing looked good. The offense looked pretty solid. I know, once again, the talent level wasn't amazing to be playing against. But, yeah, everything. I think shooting was decent. I know free throws were a concern. They probably will be a concern the whole year. Three-point shooting was solid. I, I think the passing game, just starting with Ty Rogers, Coleman looked good, uh, Terrence Shannon. Everybody was moving the ball. It looked cool. I mean, the cuts were good. Just I think the offense was solid. And then, of course, the defense. I mean, Ottawa didn't have the best offense, of course, but the defense looked solid. We saw a lot of steals, some turnovers, forced, and then kind of transitioning into the breakout fast break game. I, I mean, there was that one stretch in the second half where Terrence Shannon and Coleman had like four fast breaks in a row. So that was good to see. Thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it looked like a team with a lot of chemistry um, in the first game, which was kind of surprising. I mean, you bring in a lot of transfers, some freshmen out there, and it looked like a pretty well-connected group. Obviously, again, like you said, take it with a grain of salt. They're playing Ottawa. They should be scoring easy all that, yeah. but uh, I, I thought it looked like, especially early, I mean, that starting lineup, which actually one of the biggest things I took away from it was the starting lineup because I, it's a starting lineup that I didn't really think about, um, and, and that was Ty Rogers, Terrence Shannon, Marcus Damask, Luke Goody, and Coleman Hawkins. So you start Damask and Goody both on the wing. I thought those would kind of be a rotation between those two at the at the three spot, maybe a little bit at the four. Both those guys started clearly – Brad Underwood wanted to surround uh, a Ty Rogers offense with a lot of shooting um, and try to mask some of those concerns there. And it, it got off to a fast start. Luke Goody had eight points in that first four minutes, made a couple threes. Damask made a three. Uh, and, and it did look like a team that flowed really well. The ball movement was great. I think they had 26 assists on 45 made shots. And it looked like a really fluid offense. Now, of course, they're not really showing much offensively against Ottawa. Uh, that there, yeah. there would be no reason to do that. But I, I think that it was pretty encouraging to see just a, a group that looked – you know, we even saw last year in the exhibition, I'm trying to remember who they played. Was it Quincy? And it was, it was Quincy. really – in an exhibition, it was really clunky. I mean, you came out and it yeah. was just – not a lot of ball movement. Illinois was losing that game early. They ended up winning by like 35 or something like that. But it looked like a team like, okay, this is a new group. This is a, a pretty clunky game offensively. And it didn't look like that at all against Ottawa. So I was pretty encouraged by that. One person that I want to spotlight from that game was Marcus Damask because I thought that he looked really good. I think, you know, some people downplayed the addition of him because you obviously had – you, you aimed a lot higher in the transfer portal than Marcus Damask. And at the end of the day of your three-man yeah. transfer class, he was the prized possession of it. And so I think that that people downplayed that a little bit, but he just, he looks like a guy that they were missing last year, a veteran presence, a guy that's going to be in the right spots, a guy that's going to make the right reads. I can tell that Brad Underwood is going to love him in those closing lineups and those late game lineups because he knows what he's going to get from him. If he can make some of the shots that he was making, shoot a 38 to 40% clip from three, I think that's going to be a, a pretty important piece for them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, exhibition wise, they did what they should have done. They won by 51. Um, you know, not much more than that. It'll be really fun to see them against a, a really top tier opponent in number one, Kansas a week from, uh, today on uh, next Sunday against Kansas. So I'm, I'm excited for that. But uh, anything else yeah. from the exhibition? Um, I think I'd rather focus on like an actual preview of the season because yeah. like I said, competition level, 
it was fun to see the guys in action. Like a lot of a couple freshmen, new transfers. That was a lot of fun to see. But yeah, the freshmen we were the other thing. I think yeah. sorry to, to cut you off there, but Gibbs yeah. Longhorn Hansberry it looked looked really good again. Low For quality sure. opponent, but they look pretty comfortable and they showed flashes of uh, of what they can be. Yeah, I loved uh, Amani Hansberry coming off the bench and grabbing 12 rebounds. That's awesome to see. Uh, yeah. Maybe filling in for Dane Danger at points this season. Probably won't yeah. play a ton, but, I mean, that's really encouraging to see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that we then kind of transition us into to more of a preview of this roster because I think it, it's definitely a deep roster. We saw that there's going to be a lot of options uh, for Brad Underwood. Um, we saw that play out in the exhibition, I think, 12 different guys scored in that game. And, and obviously you're going to even out the minutes in a game like that, but this roster is going to be predicated a lot on depth. And I, I think that that is going to be important, but obviously there's going to be some question marks, especially in the backcourt. Uh, and, and I think that's where we can kind of start here when looking at this roster. I think obviously the biggest storyline of the off season, you get Terrence Shannon Jr. back, you get Coleman Hawkins back. That's huge. Those guys, you know what you're going to get from those guys. They raise the floor of your team tre tremendously. But you also tried to go get a high-level point guard in the portal. Mo uh, they were obviously connected to Ray J. Dennis for a long time, didn't get him out of Toledo. A couple other names floated around. They even got Jeremiah Williams from uh, Iowa State at one point. He, that didn't end up working out. That leaves them with Ty Rogers at point guard uh, as their as their point guard. And point guard play was a concern at times last year with the freshmen, now neither of whom are still in Champaign. It's going to be a concern as you enter the season. I, I think Ty Rogers is a really good player. I do have some concerns about him playing the point guard spot. And I, I think it's going to take some time for him to really adjust to that. It's going to take some time for the offense to be created around him. Um, but I, I think when looking at this roster and what this team can ultimately be, I think you have to start with that because that is everywhere. Even, you know, the field of 68 guys here and, and all these other college basketball people, the talk about Illinois is no point guard, no point guard, who's playing point guard. What do you make of that situation heading into this season? Well, I just think about how last year, I know Ty Rogers filled in after Sky Clark's departure, Epps was injured for a stretch. And he did a solid job even as a freshman filling in at that point guard spot. And so I think it's interesting because Brad Underwood has pretty much said the whole offseason that Ty Rogers is our guy. I know they went after Ray J and uh, they had Jeremiah Williams for a stretch of time too. But pretty much after that point of time, Ty Rogers has been the guy. So, I mean, he's pretty much had a full offseason to like work in that spot to learn the offense a little bit more. And there's also a couple backup guards. You got Sincere Harris who – I think you kind of know what you're getting out of Sincere Harris at this point. Not elite on the offensive side of the ball by any means, but his defense, his energy, uh, I mean, he can rebound a little bit. He just He's a great leader on the team as well, high-energy guy. You got Nicolo Moretti, who's a, he's a younger guy. He's coming from Europe. He's probably not fit to be a starter in the big time. He could contribute at points this year. You got the freshman DGL coming off the bench most likely. I uh, could provide some instant scoring. We saw that in the Ottawa game. He he wasn't afraid to shoot at all. He's taking it to the rim, shooting threes, running transition. So that was great to see also. But yeah, I think it all comes down to Ty Rogers. We saw Brad uh, pretty much put four shooters in the starting lineup. He moved Dane Danger to the bench. Uh, Quincy Garrier was on the bench as well to get Domask and Goody in the starting lineup. So I think 
the talent level on this team is something that can like affect Ty Rogers and help him to play decent at the point guard position. It's not like he's coming in uh, as the starting point guard on a really untalented team. You've got Terrence Shannon in the backcourt. He can help you out. Could play a little bit of point guard. Like I would expect to see Terrence Shannon Jr. at point guard for stretches ahead of somebody like Sincere Harris or Nicolo Moretti, possibly. You've got Coleman Hawkins in the front court. Could possibly take up, up take up the ball. You never really know. We saw that in the uh, exhibition game. Honestly, Coleman loves to run the fast break as the point guard, which is really fun to see. And he's and they run a lot of stuff through him in the half court too. I mean, they he's do, playing out of that sure. high post a lot and 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 making plays. So it's not all going to be tied, but. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, that's just what I'm thinking. I think the roster is built up pretty well outside of the point guard spot. So I think they can take some stress off Ty. But Ty is also like, I know people say he's played point guard at Team USA, which is, I mean, that was like four games two years ago. He played a little bit last year. So he's got a bit of experience. But I think, I mean, he's a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He, I think he knows what he's doing. He's been in situations like this before, you know. So I'm really just excited to see. You got a couple tune-up games to the start of the non-conference schedule. And then Big Ten play starting up in December and January. I mean, he's got a little bit of time to work on, you know, some in-game situations. So we'll see. Yeah, I think for me, I, I, I echo a lot of what you said in terms of him as a player. I think as the season goes on, I think he'll get more comfortable in that spot. I, I think the two biggest concerns for me – uh, with with him playing that spot in a in a let's call it a 25 30 minute a game role I think for one you have to be pretty conscious of the lineups you play with him I'd get a little concerned if you're going to sell me on a lineup on the court that includes him at the one Dane Danger at the five who's going to clog the paint up a lot you talk about like sincere Harris off the bench who's not much of a shooting threat I think you have to be conscious of the lineups. I think you do want to surround him with a lot of shooting. I liked the lineup they started in the exhibition with Goody, Damask, and Hawkins at the five. That's a lot of shooting around him. I think you need that. But it, it does concern me a little bit when you talk about, like, Dane Danger coming in off the bench and Monty Hansberry coming in off the bench. I don't think those guys are very good pairings with a guy like Ty Rogers who isn't a threat outside of the paint. I think he's going to be pretty easy to defend unless you have a lot of spacing around him because teams can sag off of him. Uh, teams can trap the post off of him and leave him on a three-point line. You can defend ball screens pretty easy by going under most of those. So if you – can sell me on like a Ty Rogers Coleman Hawkins pick and pop, which we saw a couple times in the exhibition. I think that can be a lot more effective than maybe someone like Dane Danger in there. And the other thing for me is late in games. I mean, the free throw shooting for him has to improve because you can't have a 39% free throw shooter on the court running your offense late in the game. And, and that's the other concern. He went over three in the exhibition, 39% last year. That's really going to have to show a lot of improvement to, allow Brad to trust him in, in a late game situation at point guard, because otherwise teams are going to, you're going to see teams follow him and make him beat them at the free throw line. And then the question becomes, well, if he can't be on the court late in the game, then who is going to run your offense in crucial possessions? Is that going to be Terrence Shannon? Are you going to bring in a freshman and Dre gives Lawhorn to do it? Are you going to run it through Coleman late? It gets a little dicey for me, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think Ty Rogers is a really good player and I think he's going to be a good player. I, I am a little concerned. I'm a, I know some people are more optimistic about him at point guard. I'm probably fall a little bit more on the pessimistic end, but that's not to say I don't think he can, he can have a solid season. I just have to see some of these concerns 
play out a little bit for me. Yeah, and I think the thing is, what I liked seeing in the exhibition was somebody like Drew Gibbs Lawhorn coming off the bench and being able to score. I mean, he wasn't facilitating too much. He wasn't much of a playmaker with passing the ball. But maybe somebody like Justin Harmon could be that guy. I know Harmon's more of a scorer. I mean, he's played a couple of years in college. Maybe he can transition into sort of a facilitator role. You never know. Uh, and then I really think Terrence Shannon, I know he's kind of a off-ball scorer. He drives to the hoop a lot. Maybe if Dumbass and Goody and some of these other guys are able to hit threes, just really kicking out and uh, shooting a lot more threes with those guys could be like really beneficial for Ty Rogers, I think, if he's in the game. But yeah, like you said, I think the issue is when Ty Rogers is at point guard, obviously not a shooter. So how does that affect somebody like Sincere Harris off the bench and Dane Danger, two guys that we know pretty much can't shoot also? So it's going to be really interesting to see how Brad and the assistant coaches are determining the lineup, just not only the starters, but like you said, late game and rotations throughout the first and second half. So, yeah. Yeah, it it is. And I think the other thing, too, is I don't necessarily expect this team to run a ton of its offense through a true point guard. Like, I don't necessarily think Ty Rodgers is going to have the ball in his hands running offense on – 90% of their offensive possessions. I mean, we saw that a little bit in the exhibition. They played a lot through their wings. They played through Damask. They played through Hawkins on that kind of that high post area. I think they're going to get pretty creative with that. Obviously, Brad likes to run the spread, which uh, allows creation through that pinch post area with some of the bigs. So I I don't think it's necessarily going to be a a situation where they're going to put Ty Rogers in ball screens like Io DeSunmu and let him cook. You know, I don't I don't necessarily (laughs) think that's the plan coming in. Um, But I do think that if they can get him comfortable as being that primary ball handler for a a big role, that that's going to be important. But um, yeah, the point guard thing is obviously number one when you talk about this team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But I, I, we should hit on some of the newcomers a little bit. We did a little bit talking about the exhibition, but bigger picture-wise with some of the additions. Looking back at last year's roster, Jaden Epps hits the transfer portal, transfers to Georgetown. Sky Clark left the team midseason. I don't even think about him anymore. He's at Louisville now. <laughs> Matthew Meyer, is um, he obviously graduated. He's gone now. 
and you go out in the, in the uh, transfer portal, you bring in three guys, Marcus Damask from Southern Illinois, Quincy Garrier from Oregon and formerly at Syracuse and Justin Harmon from Utah Valley. And then a two man freshman class of Amani Hansberry and Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. It'll be interesting to see the roles that all these guys play this season, because I, I think some guys will play a lot more than others. It'll be interesting to see how much the freshmen play, especially because I think with a, a, a very experienced team, those guys are like the ninth and 10th men in the rotation. And so we'll, we'll see how much Brad goes to those guys. And then a guy like Justin Harmon, how much is he going to play in that backcourt? I think you you can pretty comfortably say that Damask and Gary A are going to be 20 plus minute a game guys for this team, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see that. Um, what maybe jumps out to you about the, the new faces that we're going to see on this roster and how they kind of fit into the mix. I think the first thing you have to talk about, like we, we saw a clear pattern in the uh, transfer additions, which is experience. I mean, uh, dumbass Garrier and Harmon, all fifth year seniors. I know I think Harmon played a couple of years at a JUCO or a community college maybe, but they're uh, all very experienced veterans, which is a huge contrast to last year's roster, obviously. And then also just, I think, three-point shooting. I know they're, none of them are like elite three-point shooters. I think they're all right around 35%, which is still a huge upgrade from last year's team, which shot, I believe, sub 31%, I want to say. So just sort of Harmon and Domask especially, I think they're pretty versatile offensive additions. Sort of three-level guys. I know Harmon likes to get to the rim a little bit, but can also shoot, like I said. Domask, I think he's a bit of a three-level scorer. And Gary A has also sort of transitioned into a bit of a stretch four after his time at Syracuse. He started shooting a couple more threes a game at Oregon the past couple of years. So I think those three, and of course, Drew Gibbs Lawhorn and Amani Hansberry, Drew Gibbs being more of a scorer and Hansberry, I think he's more of like a rebounder, energy, high effort guy. But it's, yeah, like you said, it's going to be really interesting to see these rotations and how these guys come in and affect the Illini right away. Yeah, I think. To me, I think Damask is pretty solidified in in a pretty high usage, high minute role. I think he's a, a typical Brad Underwood guy. He's going to start. He's going to play in those closing lineups. I, I think he's going to be a pretty versatile piece for them. Gary A is interesting. I think the thought when he committed was probably he's your starting four man or a, a, your sixth man or whatever it is. He's he's a big time piece. They didn't end up starting him in the exhibition game. I, I wonder if that's going to be the case. My lineup that I was thinking through in my head was that it was going to be Gary at the four Hawkins at the five, which I think is a pretty interesting front court pairing. I think those guys complement each other pretty well. More of that stretch big that Illinois hasn't really had here in recent years to complement a guy like Coleman and even Gary can play in lineups with those bigger, you know, paint presence types and in, in danger and Hansberry as well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see it, the thought crossed my mind a little bit. I, I don't want to read too much into an exhibition lineup, but the thought did cross my mind. Maybe is Gary going to play a little less than we think? I mean, it, we, we saw as a sophomore at Syracuse, he was an all ACC player, then transferred to Oregon as a junior and senior. Wasn't bad. I mean, he was, he was a solid college basketball piece, but he didn't really improve all that much. Uh, his usage went down a little bit. Wasn't a piece that necessarily was – doing a whole lot for that Oregon team at times. I think he disappeared a lot um, in certain games. Um, and so I, I wonder if maybe 
especially if a guy like Hansberry impresses. And if you want to play more of that space it out shooters line up with a goodie and a Damask together, does that eat into Gary A's minutes a little bit? And then I, I think the other thing to me is is the guards justin Harmon being the fifth year senior transfer and then dre gibbs lawhorn being the freshman there's a lot of minutes to be had in the backcourt because i i think we on this roster we know the front court is pretty set in stone coleman's going to play a lot gary a and danger are going to play at least a, a solid amount hansbury's going to factor in there a little bit we know that on the wing illinois pretty clear damask goody shannon uh you're going to get a rotation of those guys in the backcourt is where there's minutes to be won because if Ty Rogers isn't doesn't end up being a, a a guy that can be on the court for 30 plus minutes a game, there's a lot of minutes there. Whether that's Sincere Harris, whether that is a, a fifth year guy, the most experienced of all of them, and Harmon, I think could play a little bit more than we think. And if if Gibbs Lawhorn proves that he's ready, I think he could play a lot more than we think too. He's kind of the wild card to me coming in as a freshman. I think we're so soured from last year with freshman point guards. And I'll admit it, I am too. Like when, when some people were like, why doesn't Dre Gibbs Lawhorn start at point guard? I'm like, well, did you see last year with Epson Clark? That was mainly a disaster uh, at point guard and held Illinois back quite a bit. But I think we're a little too soured, myself included from that experience last year. And, and Gibbs Lawhorn, if he's ready to go, if he's as aggressive as we saw on Friday night, uh, obviously the playmaking and, and defense, you wanna see that improve a little bit for a freshman but he's aggressive and you know he's going to look to score and and he might be that spark plug that illinois needs i mean you think last year we entered the season thinking well is sincere harris going to play much he might be the last guy on the bench and then he ended up changing games with his defensive ability and his energy now obviously other end of the spectrum for gibbs lawhorn he can change a game offensively but he might be in in a similar situation where you, you may not think he's going to play much, but maybe he comes in and, and provides a spark, especially at a, in a backcourt that I think there's a lot of opening for guys to, to take advantage of. Yeah, I love what you said about Sincere last year, especially because, I mean, what was it, like the third or fourth game of the year, that UCLA game, Sincere just yep. gets on the court. I think we were down 15, and he instantly changes the game with his defense, his hustle, his uh, intensity. And then pretty much the rest of the season, I know we had some point guard struggles, like Clark left 10 games later, whatever it was. Yep. Epps was injured for times. I think Terrence Shannon might have been injured a little bit. And it's, it was his defense that just kept him on the court. He kept playing games. He started a couple games in Big Ten play, I believe. So maybe you see something like that with Drew Gibbs-Lawhorn with his offensive side instead of defense. Um, if Like if Ty Rogers is struggling five games into the year, who knows? I mean, maybe Moretti starts. I think Moretti is a guy that people are kind of forgetting about. I know he's pretty much a freshman. He was here for like half the year last year, I believe, coming over from Europe. Uh, he doesn't look, I can't say he looks too Big Ten ready in terms of physicality and like his body. He looked pretty little out there uh, in the exhibition game, but you never know. He looked decent running the offense. He was getting to the paint a little bit, facilitating a decent amount. So there's two guys, uh, Moretti and Lawhorn, possibly, getting minutes at the point guard position at times this season. And then Harmon is the other guy, which is like, he played a bunch of minutes last year at Utah Valley, obviously a lower level than Illinois, but he's a guy that can, I think he'll be able to get buckets. I mean, wherever, wherever he plays pretty much, although he's not much of a point guard, I don't think he's more of like an off ball, take it to the rack guy. 
I know his assist numbers, I don't think they were great, and he struggled with turnovers a little bit at Utah Valley last year. Yeah, I believe he had more turnovers and assists at Utah yeah, Valley last year. Um, but I think he was probably asked to create a little more than he will be at Illinois. But it's not a guy you want to rely on to, to, to play point guard much. He can be more of a secondary option to me. And, yeah, that's the thing. All these guys, I mean, Ty Rogers, he could be great. He could be average. Who knows? All these guys have their issues. They have their strengths and weaknesses. I mean, we'll probably end up just playing – all of them a little bit. I mean, some guys, Ty Rogers might stick out a little more. Maybe Sincere Harris has a couple of good games in a row and he gets a start. I think it'll be sort of a full unit just working together the whole year. I not I mean, I would would be kind of surprised if one of them sticks out way ahead of the other ones. Uh, but we'll see. You never know. It's early in the season. The season hasn't even hasn't even really started yet. Could have a breakout player. You never know. Yeah, you, you mentioned Moretti in there. I do want to touch on him for a minute because I don't want to leave him out. He's a scholarship guy. He's a guy that joined the, the roster for the second semester last year, didn't end up playing at all, was mainly just trying to build up strength um, and, and just kind of get acclimated a little bit. But he's the only true point guard on the roster. I mean, it, it, it's really the, the truth. I, I, you mentioned that he doesn't really look physically ready. I totally agree with that. He's very slender and he doesn't have the body that jumps out to me as a big 10 guard right now, but he is the only true point guard on the roster. They Brad Underwood. And I think it was Jeff Alexander went out and got him because of his playmaking. He's the brother of uh, David, David day. I don't David uh, David yeah. day Moretti. Uh, the, the, I apologize. Really good player at Texas tech on that national championship runner up team. So I should know how to pronounce his first name, but uh, brother of him, he was a good point guard in college. So, it, I mean, yeah, he's a wild card, too. If he can prove defensively, especially, that he can handle an, an opposing Big Ten guard and physically he can build up a little more strength, he could be a guy that, hey, I mean, Brad, he was like the first guy off the bench in the exhibition. Now, maybe that was just Brad trying to reward a guy who was here last year and, and get him some reps. But, I mean, he you never know. That could be a guy that, that factors in as well. And, again, there's there's an opportunity there if other guys struggle in the backcourt uh, for him to, to – to, to play some minutes. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's yeah. I think there's a, it's like 50, 50 to me. You look at this roster and there's a lot of knowns on it, but there's a lot of unknowns on it. I think getting Shannon and Hawkins back, you know what you're going to get from those guys. You know what you're going to get from a guy like sincere Harris, Luke Goody. Those guys are pretty steady. Even Marcus Damask. I've watched him play one game and I'm pretty confident. I know what I'm going to get from him on a nightly basis. Um, but but the rest of the roster, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks. It's it's not quite as brand new of a group as last year, which I think is going to be important as you enter the season, which the funny thing to me when I, when I think about this is this roster jumps out to me as one that should be a lot better early in the season than, than a few of these past Illinois rosters. But then you think back to last year and they were good early in the season and then it all <laughs> fell apart. And I can't really explain that. I, I I, w I want to make the point like, well, I think this roster is going to be built to win earlier than last year's was, but they got their two biggest wins in November. So I don't, again, no one's trying to explain what the heck happened last year with this, this team. And uh, I'm glad that we don't have to discuss that, that uh, circus last year, but <laughs> I think, uh, I think this roster is going to be more prepared. Some of these big games, and we'll get to it in, in a couple minutes here with breaking down a little bit of the schedule. 
I think they'll be prepared in some of those early season games. It's obviously going to take some time for some of these new guys to adjust. It's going to take some time for the, the point guard situation to play itself out. But I think that you have a lot more knowns on this roster and it it's a little more clear where guys can fit into this picture than it was early last year when you had a bunch of new faces and only a couple guys coming back. It was what Coleman, RJ Melendez and Luke who was hurt early in the season were the only guys coming back that had given you any production the year before. So uh, it, it should be interesting to see, but I, 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 I'm more confident heading into the early part of the season with this, this group than last year. I will say I totally agree with that point about consistency because last year, I mean, we had, we still don't know our point guard sort of like we did last year, but in terms of like who's scoring the ball on a nightly basis, I would say Dane didn't really know his role last year. He's starting some games on the bench for others. Like he wasn't too consistent in terms of maybe it's his night with a good matchup against the big 10 big, or maybe he's just not effective at all. And then you got, I mean, Matthew Meyer could go one for nine or 10 for 12 and score 30 points. Like that was totally random every night. Sky Clark. I mean, he wasn't, he was pretty mediocre. He was kind of consistent in that aspect. Uh, Jaden Epps had some great games, had some terrible games where he got benched. And, yeah, I think the guys coming in this year, I think the freshmen kind of know their role. Maybe they'll exceed expectations and get some more minutes. But I think Amani, like, he knows he's the backup big this year, whereas Dane last year, is he the starter? Is he on the bench most nights? I mean, nobody knew. And then I think with their experience, Domask and Harmon and Garrier, I think they're more likely to buy into a role in their fifth year. Like, they've been on teams where they've been the star – They've been on teams where they're more of a rotational piece, but I think they'll be able to accept what Brad is saying, like whether or not it affects their playing time or their stats. I think they're all pretty bought in on the goal, which is winning the Big Ten, winning a national championship, whatever that goal may be. So, yeah, I think we're definitely in a better spot this year. I know it's preseason and saying that doesn't mean a whole lot. We just got to see what actually happens, but I will agree with you. I think we're in a much better spot in terms of consistency and roster construction even if point guard is still the main issue like it was last year. Yeah, and, and the point you mentioned there about experience is kind of what the approach was in the offseason. I mean, Brad said it at media day. He said it back in March last year after they lost to Arkansas. He said, we want to get older. We want to get more experience. And I think that's what's really going to show early. That's what the most encouraging thing about this team is it's very experienced, even when you talk about the, the younger guys from last year at Ty Rogers is now in his second year. He's gone through a big 10 gauntlet. Sincere Harris has seen his role go up and down throughout a season last year. He's a year older now. Dane Danger, while it's his fourth year in college, last year was his first year playing basketball at, at the high major level. I mean, he, he got into in garbage time for Baylor like twice. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be really important. And then, yeah, the transfers, I mean, they brought in three fifth year seniors. Those guys have been, I've played a lot of college basketball and and I think that's a lot different than last year. I mean, you, you think about it. I mentioned it earlier. Your two freshmen are probably the ninth or 10th guy in your rotation heading into the season. And that is way different than last year. You were relying on a freshman to be your starting point guard. You were relying on freshmen to come in and play big minutes for you. I mean, Dane Danger was basically a freshman and you had him starting to begin the season. So it, it's much different this year. You have a lot more experience to fall back on. The younger guys can grow. There's not pressure on those guys to come in and be big time contributors right away. The transfers, 
none of those guys are coming in here to be your star player. And all those guys know that there's going to be a role for them to be played. They've played roles on other teams. I think that's important. And then even you think to, to Terrence Shannon Jr., that's a guy who came in last year. Yeah, he had played three years of college basketball, but he was a role player at Texas Tech. And last year, Illinois recruited him and wanted to turn him into a high usage star caliber player. And that wasn't what he had done before. So that was a new role for him to step into last year. Now he has a year of experience. He can be more of a leader now. I think he could be an All-American player. And that's obviously where you start when you talk about the top teams in college basketball. You start with a star player. I think Illinois has one of those in, in Terrence Shannon. Yeah, you mentioned Terrence. I mean, even Coleman, like, I know last year was pretty much a total mess in terms of Coleman. But, like, you think back to his sophomore season, it's a Big Ten championship team, and he's a sophomore. He's starting some nights. He's benched and playing, like, eight minutes some nights. So I think his consistency, like, he knows where he is in this program now. Freshman year, barely played. Sophomore year, some nights he's a star. Some nights he's barely doing anything. Junior year, he's in a much bigger role. I think he started every game last night – or last year, I want to say. Yep. And now this year, I'm sure he'll start every single game, uh, possibly an all-Big Ten third-team pick. I mean, who knows? Possibly I think an all-defensive pick. I'll, sure, I think yeah. he's going to be an all-defensive guy for sure. I would think so, yeah. And so I think even him, as like he's probably the second or third option on the offense. We don't know what Domask is going to be, but uh, I think his consistency, his leadership will be huge for the team this year. Yeah, for him, I, I think the biggest thing for him uh, – yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I, I should have mentioned him as well because you're right. Last year was his first year playing a major role on a team because he hadn't done that his first two years. He was a bench player. I think he started late in that Big Ten championship season, but even then he wasn't playing heavy minutes. And last year he stepped into more of a leadership top option on a team starting every game. I mean, he was a, a big piece and that was the first year that he was in that role. And I think he learned from that too. So, yeah, I mean, I think everything experience wise, when you talk about being more experienced, that's not necessarily more age, you know, it's part of it, but I think the other part of it is experience in a certain role and experience doing a certain thing, which I think even Illinois top two guys and Shannon and Hawkins now are going to benefit from that. And, and for hot, for Coleman, I think I, I love Coleman. I think he's very underappreciated because he's an elite defender. I mean, that a guy that can defend all five positions on the court for him. I think he needs to take a step forward offensively this year. And I think he'll be in position to do that with this team. If he can make threes, at a little bit higher clip. I'm not asking for 40%. I'm asking for 33 to 35% from three. If he can turn himself into a pick and pop big, he can be a little more aggressive searching for his shot because he's the second most proven offensive piece that Illinois has probably. I mean, you, you could argue Damask because he did average 16 at Southern Illinois, but that's a different level. I think he's going to be in a role where he's going to be more of a facilitator than necessarily and a spot up shooter than a scorer. So for Coleman, I mean, he's probably the second most proven scorer on this roster. So I want him average 9.9 .9 points a game last year. He's more than capable of scoring 12, 13 a game this year. If he can improve that three-point shot and just be a little more aggressive and search for his shot a little more, I think he can be an all-conference guy for sure. Yeah, the thing with Coleman's three-point shot is, like, I mean, it's it's been pretty, but like... I Brad calls it election. elite every year. <laughs> Brad calls does, it elite also, every year. Brad also says Coleman can guard one through five every year, but it's actually, it's been true every year. So yeah, I don't have an true. issue with that. That's true. But uh, Coleman's shot selection, I think is partly the issue. 
uh, like he loves pulling up and shooting those 32 foot threes that I feel yeah. like he actually makes <laughs> them at a decent rate compared to like spot up shooting. So I don't know if I can complain about that, but yeah, I think shot selection, he can work on that three point shooting, obviously, but even more like back to the basket. I know that's not really his type. Like that's more Dane, but I, you never know. And if we have more shooters on this team, maybe he focuses less on his three point shot. You know, if Goody and Domas, like, People forget Goody barely played last year. Like, what did he miss the first 20 games of the season, I want to say? Yeah, he did. I mean, having him back as a consistent three-point shooter, I don't know what percentage he'll shoot, but should be should help this team a ton. And Coleman, I think. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the one other thing before we get into the schedule to, to hit on is, yeah, Illinois was the 329th three-point shooting team in the country last year, I want to say. I can yeah. double-check that. Uh, in a minute here, but somewhere in that range, there's 363 teams in division one. Illinois was, I believe 329th in three point shooting last year. That needs to take a step up this year for Illinois to be uh, uh, the team that they want to be and, and to be a contender in the big 10, to be a contender nationally, they have to shoot the three better. Right. You know, in, in today's game, I mean, if you're, if you're shooting that poorly, I mean, we saw it play out last year when you're shooting four of 27 from three in a game, you're not going to have a lot of success. I think it can be a better team. I'm not expecting them to go from 329th to 50th in the country, but if they can be an average, a, a dead average three-point shooting team, all I'm asking for is like 180th in the country, which would be a 150 spot improvement from last year. I, I think that that's on the table for this team. I think it, it's going to be important for this team. And yeah, you mentioned Goody being healthy for a full season that's a guy that is one of your most consistent shooters you bring in damask who i think is going to be a more consistent shooter is going to get a lot higher quality looks than a guy like matthew meyer did last year that should improve your your three-point shooting quincy garrier being a more of a pick and pop guy i think he's a 35 percent three-point shooter for his career that that'll help you a little bit you know dre gibbs lawhorn can score and shoot it a little bit but yeah I think just getting a little bit of improvement from some of your other guys as well Terrence Shannon he shot 38 percent from three his junior year at Texas Tech last year I believe he was at 32 percent if he can get back to that a little bit I mean he can be a better shooter than he was obviously at the end of the day he's going to get a lot of his production inside he's going to get a lot of his production in transition attacking the basket but he can be a better shooter than he was last year I think he can improve that and then Coleman We've heard it every year that from Brad, from everybody we see, I mean, we see it. It's a fluid shot. It's a good looking shot for a six eleven big, but he hasn't been consistent with it. You mentioned the shot selection, which I think can be improved as well. But yeah, the three point shooting is the one thing we didn't really hit on explicitly. We mentioned it within certain players, but that is a big time key for this season because last year was abysmal. Last year, they were horrendous shooting the basketball. It was tough to watch. The shot selection was terrible. They were forcing everything. And yeah, 329th out of 363 is, is not where you want to be this year at all. Yeah. If we have better shot selection this year and we're still missing shots, I'll, I'll be fine with it because last year was like, I mean, it felt like every Big Ten game we're just on Twitter asking, is this team running an offense or is it just Matthew Meyer and Jaden Epps chucking threes? Which, I mean, sometimes it worked like – I think the UCLA game was a bit of a fluke with Terrence hitting, yeah. I think, eight threes, but yep. we'll take that at the end of the day. But like you said, it wasn't consistent the whole year. Like, it didn't work out every game. So I'm hoping this year – I know we still don't have a point guard, really, which would help with shot selection and running an offense, but I'm hoping that'll be uh, something we improve upon this year. 
Yeah, for sure. I, it, it did feel like last year it was one game, Terrence is going eight for nine from three. One game, Meyer would light it up. One game, Epps would be red hot. But it never. you never had a good team shooting night almost all year long. They were taking way too many of them. For a team that was awful at it, they took way too many of them. I think that's going to be an emphasis this year. Like if, if it's clear early on that this is a team that's not really making shots at a high clip, I think there's going to be more experience and awareness. And I, I think it's going to be a point of emphasis for, for Brad and the coaches. Like we, we can't be averaging 33 point attempts a game if we're shooting 28%. That's, you know, that was the most maddening thing about last year, but yeah, the shot selection's huge. And I think while they didn't necessarily add like three knockdown shooters to their roster, I think they did overall. When you look at the pieces they brought in, when you look at some of the lineups they're going to play, I think they did improve the three-point shooting at least a little bit. Again, they're not going to be the top 50 in three-point shooting after being 329th a year ago, but I think that they can take a step forward in that area. And, and yeah, that's going to be really important. Uh, one other thing I do want to touch on that, that for, especially from when we talk about Ty Rogers at point guard, when we talk about some of these other pieces, I think this could be a really good defensive team. Uh, I, I think that's obviously something that Brad has prided himself on throughout his coaching career is defense, defense, defense. And you look back to a couple of those, the Big Ten title team two years ago, and then the Iowa Kofi team, those are both top of the conference defensive teams. Last year, they were good defensively, but there were certain games where they really slipped. And it, again, just like the pretty much the theme of last year, inconsistency and yeah, defensively, you could throw that under that umbrella as well. But I think this could be a really good defensive team. Coleman is a defensive anchor, a guy that can switch. He's very switchable defensively, can guard one through five, really was a great rim protector last year as well. I think uh, Terrence Shannon, really good one-on-one -on -one defender. Obviously, the length and the size, he he can be really good on that end. And then if you're starting Ty Rogers at point guard, that's a 6'6 point guard with a 6'11 wingspan who was one of the top defensive players in the country coming out of high school when Illinois recruited him. And I know he was inconsistent on that end last year, but I think with another year of experience, he can be a high-level defender. Goody, Damask, those guys are long. They're not necessarily going to – be the most athletic defenders, but they're good team defenders. I think Gary A's gotten high marks defensively throughout his career. Danger was up and down last year, but his size and his length, I think he could be a pretty good rim protector as well. And especially when they drop into that drop coverage with him in there, I thought he was good at times at that last year, but, uh, and then obviously sincere Harris and Justin Harmon are both kind of those dogs that are, you know, they're not huge guys, but they're energy guys. They're scrappy. They're, they're going to be good defensive players. I think it could be a really good defensive team. And I think, yeah, for a team that's not going to be a knockdown three-point shooting team, for a team that has some point guard concerns and some concerns offensively in certain areas, that might be where they need to, to make their mark this year to be a high-level basketball team. If they can be one of the top defensive teams in the Big Ten, that's maybe their path to contending in the conference. And, and I think it can be really good. For sure. And the Big Ten is definitely a – a uh, big man oriented league and I think our front court is pretty well suited to defend teams like that besides like Zach Eady and Purdue or somebody some team like that I mean Coleman like you said guards one through five he's massive huge wingspan can pretty much do anything I think Dane Dane's trimmed down this offseason I believe so he Good should point. be like I would assume just on paper he's better at defense uh Gary a, 
I know he played in that Jim Beheim Syracuse zone for two years, so but he's also had two years at Oregon, so uh, he should be fine. Goody, you know what you're getting out of him. He's high energy, just like Sincere. Sincere, I mean, you can sub him into any game at any point, and I'm sure he'll get a steal within like three minutes and force three turnovers. Uh, Terrence is great, super quick, can pretty much guard any wing, I'm sure. And then, yeah, it's, we'll see. I'm not expecting much from Drew Gibbs Lawhorn on the defensive side. That would probably be an issue if he's playing extended minutes. I mean, you've got guys like Sincere and Terrence who can step up and help him out with stuff like that. You can hide uh, him. Harmon, I'm sure he'll be. Yeah, that's exactly. Same with Harmon. I know he's experienced. I'm sure he'll be at least an average defender. So I think as a whole, like we did have some good defenders last year. Like Meyer was decent. He would get some blocks some games. But I think the like, effort for him some games. This entire podcast. It was miserable. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like we've been saying, I think this team just on paper in the off season, consistency is better without a doubt. Experience is better. So I think I, I'm looking forward to the defense. I think we'll be top half of the big 10 easily. It should be top. I know we've been like top 30 in Ken Palm the last couple of years for defensive yeah. efficiency. I want to say. Yeah. I, I think actually Ken Palm, this year. I think Ken Palm liked them defensively last year, but you think back to some of yeah. the, the games, like the Indiana game, they couldn't get a stop. Trace Jackson Davis dominated them. That Ohio State game comes to mind on the road where they just completely broke down defensively. I mean, you think about we don't have some to talk of about Penn State. Yeah, we don't have to talk about Penn State. Easily. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, Jalen Pickett. They played him three times, couldn't figure out how to defend him. You you mentioned the Big Ten's a, a big te- a big man oriented league. I think that's maybe less case this year than it has been in years past with some of the guys that they lost. Trace is gone. Uh, Hunter Dickinson is gone. Obviously, you have Zach Eady. I mean, who's defending him, right? Um, yeah. And but but other than that, I think it actually may be a little more guard centric this year. When you talk about like a Jameer Young, Boo Booey, some of those uh, guards at Michigan, some of those in Michigan State's backcourt, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that's an, an interesting point as a whole on the Big Ten is it might be more of a perimeter oriented league this year for the first time in what feels like forever. It feels like it has been the league filled with elite big men, which is probably why the big 10 has struggled in the tournament because that's, you know, just not how you can run an offense and to, to win in March at this point, in college basketball, maybe, maybe this is the year where we see more high level guard play in the conference. But again, I think Illinois is pretty, well-equipped to defend high-level guards. You talk about, you know, Ty Rogers at point guard is a matchup issue for some guards. I mean, with his size, he can bother those guys. You have a, a sincere Harris who you think back to that Northwestern game last year where he just eliminated Boo Boo. He had like 32 in the first half here at State Farm Center. Sincere Harris yeah. eliminated him in the second half. He came in against Tiger Campbell, UCLA, eliminated him in the second half of that game to bring Illinois back. So, and then, yeah, obviously Coleman, when you're talking about teams that are playing ball screen centric offenses, I mean, he's really switchable as a five man that, I mean, we saw him, I mean, on the, on a couple late game possessions, switch onto point guards and, and stick with them. So I think Illinois is pretty well equipped for a lot of different styles. Now. Yeah. Is, is Zach Eady going to dominate every team? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when Illinois plays them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a good defensive team. Before we get out of here, uh, let, let's run through the schedule a little bit. Uh, this Illinois schedule, look through some of the most important segments on it. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty loaded non-conference schedule, and obviously the Big Ten uh, this year 
we can get into that as well. But starting non-conference wise, you, you're playing three top 10 teams in the non-conference, starting with Marquette here at State Farm Center in November. Uh, that is the number five team in the country preseason. Then in December, you play Florida Atlantic at Madison Square Garden. That's a team that went to the final four last year, number 10 preseason. You go at Tennessee uh, in Knoxville, the start of a home and home series. They're the number nine team preseason. That's three top 10 teams in the non-conference. Um, what do you make of, what do you make of that? It's going to be, we're going to find out what this team is all about pretty early in the season and uh, three really big tests for them uh, that I think are going to be really important. Yeah, I think this is where having the three 22-year-old transfers will come in pretty handy in this early non-conference season. I think looking at Marquette first, just I'm really high on Marquette this year. I love that team, starting with Tyler Kolek. I am really interested to see Tyler Kolek, their point guard, is sort of a bigger guard. So having Ty Rogers on him, I don't know if they'll be matched up the entire game, but I think that should be really interesting considering Ty's defense. And then Marquette. Thankfully, that game is at home. We saw what Marquette did to us uh, in Milwaukee a couple of years back when we didn't have Kofi. That, that game the was The Andre miserable. Curbelo game, and not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good yeah, that, way at all. That game was not pretty. But, uh, yeah, they pretty much returned everybody from their, I believe, Big East champion and two seed last year. So yep. they pretty much returned everybody. Uh, I'm sure they'll be pretty hot early in the season. So, I mean, Shaka Smart's a pretty good coach all around pretty talented team, but we're also talented. Brad's a great coach, should have a great crowd at the State Farm Center early in the season. I can't really wait for that game. To that one. It's, the first, so it's the first big non-conference game that either of us have experienced as students here. And it's probably the biggest non-conference opponent coming in since like Arizona a couple years ago. I wanna say it's it's pretty rare that, uh, that Illinois gets a high level, top five level caliber non-conference team come into Champaign early in the season in like early November, which is going to be really fun. Yeah. I mean, even that Arizona game, I know we lost that a couple of years back, but that atmosphere, I wasn't even there, but it was unreal just watching on TV. Yeah, that was, that was, that was big time for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for these three games, uh, Marquette, Florida, Atlantic, Tennessee, I think you're obviously you're going to be underdogs in all three games. Uh, those are, these are three really good teams. You get one at home, you get one on a neutral, you get one on the road. So pretty good balance there. To me, you have to go one and two in these three games. Uh, you know, you got to win one of them. Uh, and, and I think it's obviously your season's not over if you go zero and three against three top 10 teams, but we saw last year, I mean, those non-conference wins carried a ton of weight. I mean, you want to set yourself up early in the season by banking a couple wins that you're that are going to stick on your resume. I mean, last year's team, I'm expecting a better team this year than last year's team. But if last year's team didn't go beat UCLA and Texas, they don't make the tournament. And, tournament you know, and I, I think if you go 0-3 in those three games, while, you know, that doesn't force us to say, oh, this team's terrible and the season's over, obviously, you're, you're setting yourself up for – you have to have a really good big 10 season to position yourself well in the tournament, like 12 and eight, 13 and seven in the big 10 is still going to get you a middling seat. If you don't have a single non-conference win to put on your resume, all I'm asking from these three games is to go one and two. And I, I think obviously probably your toughest overall opponent is the one you get at home, which is unfortunate, but yeah, that's going to be a big time atmosphere early in the season. Illinois is going to be really amped up there. It's going to be their first test. 
you should be able to uh, take Marquette down to the wire, if not win that game, in my opinion. I know it's a really good team with a really good point guard, but that's a home game, a marquee home game that you should be really competitive in. Florida Atlantic, obviously, they go to the Final Four last year. Really good team. Still a mid-major team. I think you're going to have some athletic advantages on them. And, you know, Illinois had success last year going to Madison Square Garden for the Jimmy V Classic. They beat Texas in a thriller. You should be able to, to compete in that game. I think the toughest game is going to be at Tennessee because that's a really good defensive Tennessee team every year with Rick Barnes there. I think he's going to be all over. Illinois playing Ty Rogers at point guard. He's going to be all over that game plan wise. I think it, then you go into a a raucous environment there in Knoxville. I think that's going to be a really tough game. I don't really expect to go win that one. But again, if you're, if you want to be competitive, you should at least be in that game. I I think Illinois needs to win one of the three and that's going to be really important for them as they set themselves up heading into Big Ten play. If you can just bank one of those three wins, a guaranteed quad one, quad one A, I mean, the the highest tier of quad one that you can get in the non-conference, that gives you a nice little floor there as you head into Big Ten play, uh, as we saw was extremely important last season. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I will say Tennessee, uh, that's probably the one game of the three I'm looking forward to the least. I think that'll be a really tough one. I agree. I, we will have some experience under our belts by that point because I think it's later in the non-con season. It's the last yeah. of the three. It is, yeah. And then Florida Atlantic, I just love the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden. Like That is so much fun to watch on ESPN every year, especially if we're playing in it. So, I mean, we pulled off a huge upset against number two Texas last year. You never know what happens there. Um, but I will say though, if we do go 0-3, I do agree. I think one and two is like the baseline that we need to go. But if we do go 0-3, the Big Ten is like just a million uh, quad one opportunities. So it's like we went 2-0 and in those huge games last year, although I think we lost to, who was it, Virginia also yep. in the non-com last Missouri year. Missouri too. And those wins – Missouri also, yeah. Oh, Missouri too. That's should be yeah, a that's quad a, one game. It's another game on this schedule, yeah. That I I kind of yeah. left out because they're not quite in that <laughs> tier. But yeah, you bragging rights game, Missouri. That's another probable. I I don't know a ton about this year's Missouri team. I know they lose some pieces from last year, but it's going to be a, that's a good win to get. Illinois needs to get it because they've kind of gotten owned here by Missouri here of late. Yeah. But yeah, that's another one for sure. Yeah, Missouri's got a couple pretty solid transfers this year, so. Should be a fun game, like always, assuming we don't go down by 35 in the second half. But uh, <laughs> that was that last year's Missouri game was maybe the most miserable game that I've watched. As a, I'm trying to think if there's a more, I mean, obviously the Penn State games, all of them last year were terrible. Definitely the most miserable game for me of last season among a lot of miserable games that we had. One of the yeah. more miserable games I've ever watched as an Illinois fan. I know I'm I'm much younger than other people who have experienced probably far more miserable games than that one, but that was brutal. I mean, that was awful. <laughs> In recent years, the only games I've turned off, like I watch every second of every game, obviously. I turned off that game in the second half and then kind of randomly the Cincinnati game, like two oh, that's years a good ago, one. I want to say. That's a good one. Yeah. They just went on like a fifty to twenty run and I could not watch that. But yeah, non-conference should be really fun. A bunch of quad one opportunities leading into the massive Big Ten slate. I think we play Rutgers 
in that one game before yep. the season starts at so, the rack another another tough game i mean it's Not it's going to be a gauntlet there that stretch yeah. you, december 2nd you go at rutgers at the rack i know it's jersey mike's arena now i'll never not call it the rack yeah. um florida then florida atlantic december 5th at tennessee december 9th that's that's eight days three games two top 10 teams one place that has been really really hard for teams to go in and win at Rutgers and while I don't think it's going to be a great Rutgers team you know Steve Peichel and then they're going to be they're going to give you a really ugly game there at Rutgers and it's going to be a tough one to go win that's a that's a tough stretch you you get a month under your belt and you get a game against Marquette under your belt beforehand but wow that is it's about as tough as an early season three game stretch as I can remember here in recent years. But I do want to go back real quick to the the point that you were making about the Big Ten. That, yeah, I think the Big Ten is going to give a lot more opportunities this year than it did last year for Illinois. Because you, you think about last year, Illinois got a pretty soft Big Ten schedule. They didn't really take advantage of it, but they played Nebraska twice. They played Minnesota twice. They played Wisconsin twice. They, I mean, they played all the non-tournament teams twice, it seemed like. They didn't have a ton of marquee games at home i think the only quad one game they had at home in big 10 play last year was indiana and of course trace had 36 on you and you didn't really do much at that opportunity so illinois i think they had like maybe two quad one wins all of big 10 play last year they're going to get so many opportunities this year they play purdue twice they play michigan state twice both of those are going to be quad ones home and away we know that they get maryland uh, at home, um, that's going to be a good good team. Um, and I mean, you look at up and down the schedule here. Like you get Michigan twice, uh, Wisconsin. You get them twice. I think they're going to be an improved team this year. And I think as a whole, the conference is going to have teams that that grade out a little bit higher than last year. I think last year you had that you had Purdue at the top, and then you had that huge bubble of like eight teams that were all mediocre, yeah. and they were all between like twenty five and. 60 on Ken Palm and, um, and and all these other analytic platforms. And I think there's going to be a higher quality opponents in the Big Ten. Obviously, you get the tougher teams more often. You get more opportunities. So I think that's a good point there that, yeah, well, the non-conference is still going to be important and you'd really like to bank one of those wins, you're going to get more chances than you did last year in Big Ten play. I think it's going to be a little bit better league than last year. And Illinois schedule is a lot tougher, which – so obviously good and bad good you get opportunities to build your resume bad you know it, it hurts your big 10 title chances but um but yeah i mean I, i'm excited for it i think the big 10 again you get purdue at purdue early in the big 10 you get that rutgers game december 2nd uh your first big 10 game you only get one in december this year then your second game comes january 2nd against northwestern and then boom at purdue michigan state at home maryland at home those are my top three in the conference preseason. I know uh, Purdue and Michigan State are the clear top two. So there you go. Three big time high level opportunities in the Big Ten early on. But yeah, I think I think you're going to you're going to get more chances this year in Big Ten play. And yeah, combining the uh, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland stretch with like the Tennessee, FAU, Missouri, that's going to be an absolutely wild month of basketball for Illinois. For sure. But yeah, like you were saying, I think just getting more quad one opportunities this year is massive because we saw last year, like we still got a decent seed and I don't know what our record was in quad one, but it was probably like three and 10 or something. 
Yeah. Like we lost every single one of those games. But yeah, just getting more quad one opportunities. I think we sh- should get some more at home this year because like you were saying, I doubt there's going to be 10 teams between like nine and 11 wins in the Big Ten this year. That was absurd last year. So, I mean, we'll see. Teams like Maryland, I think they'll be slightly improved. Wisconsin should be better. I was always decent somehow. Northwestern could be decent. Indiana will be solid again. So it should be really fun. Yeah, I looked it up. 3-11 and 11 quad one last year. <laughs> I was wrong. I said they had two quad one wins in Big Ten play. They had one by the time the season was over. It was at Wisconsin, a team that didn't make the tournament. That was oh their only God. quad one win in Big Ten play. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a situation like last year where you need the non-conference wins to carry you because you can't win a high-level game in the Big Ten. I think Illinois is going to win a few high-level games in the Big Ten. There's going to be more high-level opportunities. But, yeah, I mean, it's – that. yeah, last year it was just – it was a, a bad league. You had a soft schedule in a bad league, and you didn't take advantage of the best opportunities you had in a bad league. And this year, I think there'll be more of those and, and a more experienced team, as we mentioned. So I think, I think it'll, it'll be beneficial for Illinois in the Big Ten for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of most, most of the, uh, the schedule there. We'll, we'll, we got a couple more weeks before the regular season kicks off. So we'll, we'll talk more schedule. We'll talk more um, about that. I do want to, at some point on one of the episodes before the regular season starts, kind of go through the rest of the big 10, a little more in depth and kind of give some thoughts on some other teams. Um, but, uh, but yeah, real quick before we get out of here, um, cause we're pushing an hour now on this, on this, uh, episode one of the champagne on ice revamp podcast here, Illinois, Kansas in a week, uh, charity exhibition game, can't, the number one team in the country preseason comes here to Champagne should be awesome. I cannot wait for that game. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously talk about it afterwards, and, and that'll be a much more telling exhibition game than the game against Ottawa. We'll actually have more bigger takeaways from it. Um, but initial thoughts, Kansas coming in, number one team preseason. Obviously, it's an exhibition. There's going to be some lineups that you probably won't see as much if it was a game that counted. But nevertheless, you're going to get a big test before they count against the best team in college basketball preseason. Hunter Dickinson back to Champaign, winless against Illinois in his career and had to go transfer to Kansas to try and get a win that doesn't count uh, (laughs) next Sunday. But uh, initial thoughts on this matchup, which is just so awesome. Uh, I will say if Illinois does beat Kansas, I will be counting this as a win over Hunter Dickinson. (laughs) And if, if we lose, I will yeah. not be counting. No, it, it. doesn't but, count. Uh, yeah, it doesn't count unless Illinois wins. Then, uh, then Hunter's still winless. But of course, if yeah. he if he does come in and win, then hey, you had to transfer to a Bill Self coach team to win a game that didn't count. So really, we're not going to put much respect <laughs> on it. Uh, I would say what I'm looking for. Not really any surprise, but Kansas has some really good defensive guards, Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller. So I really just want to see how Ty Rogers and the other point guards and guards do facing off against them you did say uh the big 10 loses uh loses a couple good big guys this year so i'm not too worried about how coleman and dane and quincy do against hunter dickinson i probably won't be focusing on that too much but uh just like the flow of the offense going through the point guards i know we i think i don't know i think we will probably try to run a lot of stuff through the point guards just to see how they look early in the season but that's pretty much what i'll be focusing on yeah, I think obviously you're going to get a big test all across the board. That's a loaded Kansas starting lineup. You mentioned Dewan Harris, the point guard. 
elite defender. He's smaller, um, so I think it'll be interesting to see the how the size plays into that if we do get a Ty Rogers Dewan Harris matchup um, for a lot of that game. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a test. Obviously, I, I think you're not going to go full fledged scouting, you know, trying to take away every advantage Illinois has. But you know, Bill Self coming in here, I think he's going to throw some things at Illinois that they're going to have to adapt to, especially when it comes to the point guard spot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see them against a high level opponent, a high level coach, um, how Illinois kind of adjusts to some of those things. And I mean, I am interested to see, I mean, yeah, there's, you're not going to see Hunter Dickinson again this year, but I'm interested to see an elite big man, a preseason all American big man coming in here. Illinois had a ton of trouble with those last year. Trace Jackson Davis dominated them. Zach Eady dominated everybody, but he had a nice game against Illinois, of course. And I think it'll be interesting to see, do we see that same starting lineup we saw against Ottawa with Goody and Damask in there against a much more physical athletic team in Kansas? Can you get away with that lineup? Do you play Coleman at the five against Hunter Dickinson, or do you counter that with Dane Danger starting at the five to give you a better one-on-one -on -one matchup, a bigger body in there? I'll, I'll be interested to see. I think while Brad's probably going to play everybody pretty equal again, it's a, you're not going to see Terrence Shannon play 38 minutes against Kansas to try and win an exhibition game. I do think you'll see some counters and some lineup decisions that reflect a real game and trying to counter some of Kansas's pieces by Brad. So I think I'm going to be looking out for that to, to kind of see against a, a, an opponent of this caliber where Brad goes. But yeah, I'm just excited. Listen, I mean, you bring Kansas in here, you get a huge test in a game that doesn't count. So you, you get to get prepared for the regular season. And if it doesn't go well, then you know, you're still zero and zero at the end of the day. If it does go well, that gets you all the more excited. I mean, we jump, hop back, mm -hmm. back on episode two of the show next week and boom, we're talking about Illinois national title <laughs> contender. They just knocked <laughs> off the number one team in the country. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, we can't take a ton. We got to take all exhibition results with a grain of salt. But if Illinois can come in here and go toe to toe with Kansas exhibition or not, that'll tell us a lot. And it'll give Illinois a, a starting point to to make some improvements as that week leading up to the season uh comes on and of course a phenomenal cause and a really cool game that they're doing here for the the maui wildfire relief um so yeah i can't, I can't wait that what a what an awesome opportunity to have kansas come in here bill self first game back in champagne of course i wasn't quite neither of us were quite alive yet <laughs> when he actually left illinois we're that young but uh but that should be interesting to see uh how the, the the crowd reacts to that and of course Dickinson dynamic. I just I'm excited for it. Yeah, I hope the Orange Crush is going at Dickinson pretty hard, yeah. but respectfully, of course. It's the game is for a great cause. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, yeah, if it, again if Dickinson wins the game, it doesn't count. If Illinois yeah, wins, definitely. then that's going on his record. What is he, 0 and four? So he'll move to mm -hmm. 0 and 5 if Illinois wins, but stays at 0-4 if they win because it's an exhibition game but uh, but yeah, yeah we'll we'll be back here next week at some point we might adjust the schedule a little bit of when we're dropping the episode because that game is at 5 p.m on sunday night uh the 29th next week so we'll, we'll see when we hop on here to record but we'll definitely react to that game do a little more previewing of this season um we might have a guest on before the season officially tips off on november 6th but uh 
that's probably going to do it for episode one, a, a season preview, Illinois season preview, episode one of the new Champagne on Ice podcast here presented by the Field of 68. Make sure, again, drop a follow on our Twitter account at Champagne on Ice. Go subscribe to the Field of 68 podcast network YouTube channel. That's where we'll go live. That's where the video version of this show is going to pop up for you. Uh, anywhere else you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify will be there as well. Um, and, uh, and tune in next week, and we'll, we'll break down an exhibition against the Kansas Jayhawks. Any last thoughts for you, Mike? Uh, one more thing. I would say definitely follow the Twitter, at Champagne on Ice. We're going to start putting out some polls and some questions for you guys to answer, and I think Good we'll point. start discussing it in the podcast. So definitely check it out. We'll, we'll put out other content that's pretty fun, clips of the podcast, stuff like that. So definitely go check that out. Definitely a lot of content on there. And I did forget to mention that we are going to be taking questions. We're going to do some different polls and um, thought provoking questions that will, uh, will then read answers here on the show and take questions from, from people on the show here. So uh, make sure you drop a follow and get involved in that on Twitter. But uh, other than that, that has, this has been episode one champagne on ice podcast, huge shout out to field of 68. Once again, can't wait to embark on this journey throughout this college basketball season. We're real close. We're two weeks away from regular season college basketball. I am fired up about it, and uh, we'll have a ton of content here on this podcast for you all season long. For now, Mike Farmer, I'm Kyle Tosk. Have a great week, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.